Hello and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Ben and Marcel are here to discuss an eventful weekend of racing with the men racing double GS in Bansko, Bulgaria, and the women were over in a very picturesque Val de Fassa, Italy. If you haven't already checked it out, we've just released the Ski Racing Podcast Extra YouTube channel episode, so go take a look over there and don't forget to make sure you join in uh send us some comments like and share it about give us a hand with all of that sort of stuff but gentlemen annoyingly uh ben you'll be very pleased to know we're going to kick off with the powder hound predictions league scores from this Yay. weekend H- how are you feeling <laughs> feeling pretty good by my standards that was an absolutely uh, epic weekend uh, <laughs> it's only only tipler letting me down everyone else got me some points all weekend um but our, our uh, restrictions of not being able to pick uh Keeper army in every race going probably made it slightly harder for us, but yeah, Zubchich did did me good, and uh, yeah, I got I luckily picked one of the races that Keeper army won, as opposed to the one that she decided not to. Yeah, it was uh, you did you picked up? I'll say it really quickly so you don't get a big head, but you picked up the most points out of anybody this weekend. Yes, yeah, so you did close in on Jamie Aldridge, who now leads, but you probably you have got half of his points. So did I overtake you yet, Ed? More importantly, you, you and I are on the same points. Oh, I thought now. So um, I gave myself a, a little extra bonus because I'm doing the scores. So <laughs> no, we're, we're we're on the same. Marcel is only now ten points ahead of us, so we're coming still. Up. Yeah, my yeah. my races don't even show up on a weekend, and I'm still ahead of you guys. <laughs> well, you you still scored seven points. You still got. You you somehow pulled Brunoni out of somewhere, which I won't say where. Uh, so you got five <laughs> points for that. Um, other than that, you got pretty much zero points, apart from uh, so you got a point for the suitor. But um, Pantero was obviously the big choice for everybody this weekend in the GSs. Uh, and he only came away with one out of a possible 10 points from the predictions league side of things, which is much more important than world cup points. Uh, so lots of people struggled for points in the men's GS and obviously lots of people went for triple goot, uh, which would, which did actually pick you up a bunch of points. Marcel, uh, you got seven points. I managed to get eight points, I think. So yeah, close the gap on you. Nice one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but well, the good news is we uh, you're now ahead of Charlie Raposo and we are only a couple of points behind him. So, yeah, Dave Riding dropped to second. Ian Finley climbed up into third place and it's all tightening up up there. So don't forget to get your picks in and uh, get back on it. There's a chance to win the Ski Racing Podcast Crystal Goblet, which is much better than the Crystal Globe. Uh, and a few other bits and pieces that we'll we'll chuck in to make it a bit more worthwhile. <laughs> it's all about the crystal goblin. What are you talking uh, about? And obviously some powderhound gear. So don't forget powderhound. If you they post worldwide, and you can still use the discount ski pod ten for a little discount on any of their stuff. All the crockery is still in there, as well as uh, some apparel. Now you can get some clothing, some really cool t-shirts, and we still need those masks. So get masked up. Yeah, I've been using a mask for a while. Mine's uh, making its way to the shops pretty much every time I leave the house at the moment. Yeah, I hope you're washing it, though. Yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah, good. Staying COVID safe. I think I'm going to continue wearing masks. Actually, it's quite nice in the winter. It feels like nice and warm around your around your mouth. Yeah, and I don't have to smell your <laughs> breath. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were just going to say That's so a, people can't actually, tell if you're happy or sad, but you went actually, on an entirely different route. That is quite rude. And my mom recently pointed out to me that you have to overlay a beep on my language quite a few times. So please, 
mind the language, young boy. <laughs> yeah, I did actually get told off for, for using the beep too loud. One of the listeners wrote in saying that my, the beep thing that I was using for Marcel, she quoted Marcel's beep that was it it was too loud <laughs> no i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna behave myself quite well now and i'm not gonna use any foul language during any yeah. podcast yeah we'll see just if it gets a bit intense i might be dropping one or two <laughs> okay cool also is your your dad must be back home now so we can post out get indeed that indeed i'm gonna i'm gonna speak to my parents today and that will be sorted hopefully by the end of this week awesome Awesome, awesome. How should we talk about a little bit of racing, potentially? Uh, let's start with the men's GSs. We'll start with Saturday's GS. Zubcic skied incredibly well on the second run to move up into first. Fer, who was leading the first run, ended up in second, four tenths back. And then Bren Steiner, first podium at 29 years old, picked up third place. Alexi Pantero, surprisingly, in fourth place. Um, Marcel, this looks like a pl- good place for you to start with the... Uh, Bren Steiner connection. I mean, look, this is what we what we discussed quite a few times in the beginning of the season, like that other teams give their athletes more time. And you know what? He's 29 now and, and scored a podium. Like I thought he was definitely one of, for, for me personally, two winners this weekend, him and Febre. And he've, he's had a lot of, a lot of, well, unpleasant injuries during his career, unfortunately. I remember one time when he was doing the Olympics, actually, and he was pretty much on the way to win a medal in the GS and then tore his ACL. So that is well-deserved. And I, I think for him personally, I'm, I'm really and, and super excited and, and stoked that he can finally bring it down to the finish. And obviously, the next day he had a good result as well. So hopefully he can continue that form. And I thought the Austrians in general were quite good, actually, on the first day. Let, let's be honest, he would not have been on that podium had your main man Pantero been able to hold on to both of his poles. You think Leckie are getting a stern, sternly well, but, worded letter. But see, that was see, something like, pretty incredible skier though, wasn't it, from Pantero with one pole. I mean, regardless of what you think of the, the trigger system, whatever else, like we've all trained without poles or one pole, but to be able to hold it together on that pace that appeared to be proving quite challenging for a lot of people uh, in those conditions to hold his composure uh, and his and his core, that that well for the basically the whole run was how far was, was he off how far was he off Brensteiner? like a couple of hundreds was he yeah he was so close but hey this was actually this was a very impressive performance because most of them were struggling with two poles they should have probably had like four or five poles and he <laughs> did it with one <laughs> circus racing it, it was quite it, it looked really tough the snow looked absolutely bulletproof which made quite a lot of quite a lot of races look a bit average which um which doesn't happen too often i mean it happens on the likes of the, the faster belvard maybe or sometimes down kranzgagora but bansko proved really really tricky but fev he i don't know like obviously the world champs has given him a huge boost but i i i'd have to admit i don't didn't expect him to carry on with that form which egg on my face i thought i thought he might his performances might improve. I wasn't expecting him to dominate both first runs the way he did because mm. he, he just seemed to have them on rails when other people, even Pantro to a certain extent, struggled a little bit on, on some of the first runs. Uh, it, was, it was some incredible skiing from Fair of that. I think not only has it given him 
a bit of a boost is giving him a, a massive boost. And that's the kind of scheme we saw from Fed back in like 2017, I think it was, when he kind of might have won Solden back then and, and looked really fast and confident, if a little wild, whereas that world champs win seems to have made him click something in, in his mind and his body to say, this this is it, this is my skiing. So hopefully he can keep up for the World Cup finals as well. Yeah, Zubcic's charge as well in the second run was pretty impressive. Sorry, Marcel, were you going to say something about... No, I, I was just about to say, like, it was, it was interesting to see that he was one of the very few that had the skis on rail. And I think it was quite challenging also with the camera perspective, watching it on TV to actually see how tough it was because it's a bit sideways and it, it was really hard to, to see if, like, it was a lot of swing or whatever. But he really seemed to be one of the uh, well, very few that had had everything sorted when it came to like the setup. Yeah, it was, it was, it was impressive. And that Pantero, what, he just hit the base of the gate, didn't he? he? Just ejected that pole, but it was right at the top of that steep, dark pitch, which makes it look pretty, um, you know, even more impressive down there. But um, do you, how, how well do you know Bren Steiner, Marcel? Oh, quite well. Um, I was on the same team for, well, multiple years with him. And he's a, he's a really good guy like he really like he's a very hard worker very focused does a lot with the with the skis and stuff like is really um, proactive when it comes to getting new things in and trying new things and also just a, a, a genuine nice guy like I really I really enjoyed seeing him ski and I don't know like I hope I hope this gives him the boost that he potentially needs to to make it further and let, let's see what he can do the next time even though like I mean, he, he looked he looked pretty rock solid on both races, really. Yeah, it was cool, wasn't it? Very cool. Uh, and what about the second race? Fairford managed to convert that second place into a win with uh, Odomat finding some good form um, after a, couple, a hard first run, I think it was, in the first day, uh, with Pantero managing to pick up a podium finally. But it was by three quarters of a second that uh, that Fevre beat Odomat by. So real, really impressive speed as well. Yeah, he had a big lead on, on the first round. I think a few people did kind of mini second run charges, not quite any of the ones we've seen of late from the, the 20s up onto the podium. But Odomat was always going to have his work cut out for him to try and overtake Fevre the way he's been skiing. But it was it was a, another really solid performance from Fevre, which kind of highlighted the, how great his last few weeks had been for him. But also, I think Pantro needed the podium just to kind of settle his confidence after what had happened at the World Champs. And then obviously on the Saturday, it wasn't really his fault uh, what happened with the pole, but cost him a podium. Uh, so just to get back on the podium after he'd had those three straight wins, it was good to see him back uh, back on the podium with, with some more solid, solid skiing. But he was also quite lucky on the, on the second round because he almost, almost lost his pole again when he straddled those... <laughs> Those, yeah, he like, uh, cross, he like cross blocked the first one and then got his arm hooked into the second one or something. But he's just he God. was trying his best to drop him, wasn't he? But he, he I mean, it was it was impro- important for Odoma and Pintero to not lose any points towards each other. When you look at the overall World Cup, because they both they both still in play now, um, and and the GS is going to be very very exciting because there I think fifty points, three people within fifty points. Yes, so that's going to be the last two remaining races. They will be, will be really, really, really close. 
Yes, I've got there's uh, Pantero's got 550, Odomat's on 525, and Zubchich is on 486. So that's 64 points back. Yeah, with 200 points left on the table, I think it's Kranzka Gora, isn't it? And then World Cup finals in terms of GS. So it's going right down to the wire. I have to admit, I didn't think it was going to. I thought, you know, Pantro had it sewn up, but he's sort of shown, I don't know, maybe it's a, a, a bit much, but he's sort of shown a little bit of a chink in his armour, I feel like. He's looked unstoppable pretty much after Solden. He looked unstoppable all season. And then just a cup, you know, one little blip at World Champs. Obviously, that's not for World Cup points. Um, and then two two races where he looks like he was sort of you know battling really hard, which I don't I think we said in text. I don't think we've really seen him battling so hard before. But um, yeah, it's going right down to the wire. The other thing, quickly before we we move away from the GSs, is, is do you guys read anything into the bigger gaps that we're seeing, especially in GS between the thirty? between you know getting a second round and not we've seen what was it four seconds pretty much both days i think wasn't it is that just down to peace conditions with it being so icy and obviously quite smooth for the front guys or are is that sort of pocket of of podium potential races is that are those guys just moving ahead and everybody's just struggling to sort of catch back up and stay in touch i'd say a lot of it's probably those conditions and not that it's cutting up but just how solid that piece was in comparison to what we've seen at some points this season in that softer snow you might get a bigger rut but the higher bib numbers can can still ski in it whereas i think you're definitely seeing the difference in class there's only that really top echelon that can go that fast on that kind of ice and also i think where there was a we talked about a few times the amount of drifting going on at the top of the turn on piece like the one at the weekend, those drifts turn into just giant judders. So no one can get a clean start to the turn. And, and you know, that's where a lot of the speed's going to come from. So people are having to pick up their turns later and later, which just means, you know, they're, they're not getting off their edges in time. I, it's a tough one. Like, I didn't know if we were going to go into it as well. With Do we think there's something going on with specific skis this year? Because there's been a lot of chat about, especially with the likes of Christopherson struggling so much at GS, are, are the Rosignol skis up to, up to scratch? But is, it, is, there, is there something this year that they haven't quite got right? Because we've seen people who are notorious winners not really find their feet all year. Marcel, what do you reckon? You know what? It's always hard to say. Like, I mean, certainly when it's really icy in GS specifically, you can see that Christopherson doesn't have much grip. But it can be like various factors. It can be his skiing, potentially some of it. It can be his boots um, because they might not being as good as they were before or the skis. Like it, it's, a, it's a various combination usually. Yeah. It's not just one thing. Um, but obviously, if you look at the likes of Mayar, like he had, well, his season is not that bad, you know? So it's like, it, it's very tricky to say. And I mean... <laughs> four seconds to that topic quickly I, I, I don't think it's something unusual like if you look at I think it was in 2012 when Ligeti won in Alta Vidia I mean the second guy was two seconds behind so it's yeah, like but in that 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 racing period he was like Ligeti in those what was the radius 35, 35 meter 35 meter GS turning radius that 
that era, he was unstoppable. He was the proper master of that, whereas everybody was struggling to, to catch up, weren't they? I don't no, he th- was. But it's like also, I mean, those last two races, or last two, well, Bansko and the World Champs, they were probably the hardest races of, of the whole season, really. Um, and if you look at the second race that was in, in Italy as well, it was really close. So I think it's always dependent a bit on, on the conditions and, and the races, they do seem to be getting a bit tired. It's been so, a long, yeah, it's been a tough season. I think lots of, you know, lots of double races, which obviously just, you know, some races have one race of a weekend and then they're off and training or taking a break. And now they're, you know, racing back to backs. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's something we, we have to like watch out for because it would not be, it would be good for them to be close together because it's obviously makes it makes it more exciting for us, but I don't think we should be reading too much into it just yet and just see what happens. Like, obviously, if two, one or two guys are a second ahead of the rest, I mean, that's, that can just happen in a race, right? Yeah. And then potentially the, the 30th is four seconds behind because they're two, three seconds slower than maybe like the fourth, fifth guy, third yeah. guy. And that's just like how you see like bigger, bigger gaps, I guess. Uh, I, I, ben, to your point about skis, I don't know if I'm, if I'm totally on board with, with a brand necessarily not being on point because I think you see so you still see a lot of different skiers on a lot of different band, brands performing you you talked about Christofferson and on the Rossies but Mayar was yeah he had benefited from a cleaner track on that second day but he was second after the first run and he he was obviously getting grip maybe didn't work quite so well in the judders I, I don't know if it if I fully agree with you know um people talk about oh as the example is this weekend, people were talking about the Rossies not working, you know, but it could, it could easily be any brand. I mean, apart from head really at the moment on, on that sort of conditions. Uh, and my understanding is Marcel, maybe you, you can or can't tell me, but I believe that it's only Pantero and Fever who are skiing on this new head GS ski. I don't think anybody else has got their hands on it just yet. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't know actually I haven't asked, but obviously that's how it usually works. Right. So the best people, the best um support from the companies and, and yeah. that's just how it usually works and then you get like they will get the, the skis first because it's obviously there is a lot of development going into those skis and it takes a lot of time to test them and they will be the first ones to test them but then they will also get be the first ones to receive them and then obviously the further down the pecking order you go the longer you have to wait and if you're a european cup races you probably get the next year kind of thing yeah um so i would assume that might be might be quite accurate one more GS point, just quickly. I'm going to spring it on you, so you may not have any answers to my question. But um, River Radimus, he obviously, he was World Junior Champion in GS and Super G in 2019, but hasn't had that sort of transition that we've seen the likes of, uh, you know, as the main example, I guess, is Odomat having won World Juniors in 2018, the season before. He's now had 11 podiums and 69 starts, whereas River Radimus, who won GS and Super G at the, the champs the following year, has only had 37 starts and no podiums. His best performance is 14th. Do you have any thoughts on that sort of... Well, firstly, do you think River Radimus is sort of progression into world cup is faltering slightly uh, or not and then how do you think that why is it different to somebody like odomac because obviously river adamus is incredibly talented but just not finding his feet at world cup yet i'm gonna let marcel go first he's keep world cup. <laughs> so 
there are a couple of points to that. So first and foremost, like they're both really young. So you can't yeah. expect them to like explode within a second, right? So, I mean, some do like Audemars or the likes of Christopherson and Pintero and, and Hirscher back in the days. Um, but sometimes, sometimes people need longer. Um, and I think that might be the case because in general, it seems like he has, well, he has a couple of decent results in World Cup. So it's not that he's not skiing, not skiing well. I mean, he didn't have a podium yet, but that might be coming. The only thing what I would say with River Adamus, and I obviously only see him on World Cup races, but he seems like he makes skiing very complicated in terms of how he skis because right. dragging his hip and knuckles all the time is just, it looks good but it's just not the best way to do it sometimes. If you have to cut the line, it's probably not the right approach. And I'm, I'm quite blunt about that, unfortunately. But if you look at, at uh, Odermatt, he doesn't always look pretty, but he can cut the line really quickly. And I think this is something that probably is, is the difference between the two of them, the simplicity of ski racing. What do you think, Ben? Anything to add? Yeah, I was, I was probably going to come at it from a slightly different angle to you in terms of, I was thinking, are we now starting to see him show a bit more of what he's capable of? Like based on this weekend, I think at the World Champs, I think he was maybe 11th in the GS. We've seen a couple bursts from him in the parallel uh, over the last couple of seasons where he's looked like he quite enjoys that style of racing. So I thought possibly we're starting to see a bit more of what he's got. But I, I guess it's much harder for those guys from the States coming over than it is for the, I guess, the European based. Uh, world junior champs when the majority of the tour is spent on snow that you're probably less well versed in mm-hmm. um, we talked about it at the start of the year about how it might affect the, the North American races ha- having no North American leg of the tour and also having to basically just li- live in Europe for the entire season um, and in the long run this might do them uh, the world of good in terms of just getting the feel on that European snow um, for, for a whole year without having anything else to, I guess, t- take their mind away from it. So, um, yeah, he, I, guess, I guess Marcel's right. He does have a pretty extreme style of GS skiing, which looks pretty awesome, but you need everything to go right for it to work. Yeah, it's in, it is interesting. I was just wondering, because you know, I was sort of, and I, maybe it's not a fair comparison, I was just comparing him and Odomat, considering that they're only less than six months apart in age but one year in terms of their sort of fizz age uh, where one of them you know Odomat cleaned up at world juniors and so did river pretty much not quite the same extent but so did river really uh, and we've seen somebody you know Odomat doing 69 world cup starts and uh, and river only doing 37 world cup starts just wondering I, 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 maybe it's maybe you're right ben in terms of a younger athlete spending you know, and that's not saying that he can't deal with, you know, he wants to be at home all the time. That's not what I'm saying. But in terms of like, it's a long chunk to be away for the North Americans. They, the last time we raced in North America is normally at the beginning of December. And apart from that, we're not there at all. So for you to sort of, for, for an Odomat to, to ski in a couple of extra GSs that are, that are on the calendar versus Odomat, versus sort of Radimus, who's back in the States, maybe a little bit more often because he's just working on a bit more development than necessarily world cup starts. i just think it's an interesting difference in in their sort of career progressions yeah the comparison i normally need to make is is with mayard because i think didn't mayard win a bunch the year before odomat or a couple years before odomat because he was a world junior champ as well so i normally compare those two right was it um but it's always hard to compare draw uh, to 
it's always hard to compare, uh, draw a comparison, isn't it? Like, yeah, I mean, obviously, not it's not black and white. It's just the, they always like they only hold a day like twenty two. Yeah. So I mean, they still have a lot. I think Radamus will have a will have a great career ahead of him, but I don't think he will. And hey, I hope I'm wrong for him, but I don't think he will be reaching that level of Odermatt in like more disciplines being basically winning races. In what in what terms? Sorry. In terms of him, like Odermatt is gonna win the overall World Cup, hopefully, potentially, most likely at one stage. I don't think Riverado was well. Um, I think he will be a really good GS gear, potentially super G a bit, um, if he if he can get used to like the slopes, but Odermatt has shown this year that he will be the one to beat over yeah. the years to come because he I think it is out. It is a sorry, not outstanding, astounding hit how Odermatt has literally just picked this up. Maybe he's the anomaly. You know, maybe it's him that's the sort of not freak because it makes it sound like it's a negative thing, but in terms of like just basically turning up to World Cup and and winning almost straight away in nearly every discipline. <laughs> Just based on the look on your face, I've had to go and check um, uh, Mayard's uh, record. Yeah, he won the he, won the, he, did, he did win the World Junior Champs in, in GS uh, and Alpine combined in 2017. Um, so yeah, that's that's why I make that comparison normally because I'm used to hearing former World Junior Champion with with Mayard and and, and Odermatt. So yeah, there's a few years between them, but yeah, like the, I think the big the big part to take away is Odermatt has made that leap immediately. Um, whereas other people tend to burst on the scene, then kind of regress for a bit whilst they find the balance of attack uh, at World Cup level and then come back a few years later. Should know better than to question your stats. You... <laughs> <laughs> My random guesswork. <laughs> you literally come up with the most ridiculous stats. Also yeah, during got... the day sometimes, like, yeah, I'm like where are they coming then, from? Tell, tell us what the uh, what what the chat was from you today when you're you know five minutes between zoom calls at work that you're fishing out of <laughs> ski racing stats i was i was on the uh the incredible and always amazing ski db uh alpine database uh and they were putting up some some stats on uh the, the all-time second run charges uh and as always did a quick look out for a uh, Marcel and he appears twice in the top 40 all-time second <laughs> run charges uh from uh, from 27th to third wasn't it Marcel and Banske? Yeah, I mean, I probably should have started doing like good runs on the first run as well. That would have probably helped my career a bit. But <laughs> once you get that reputation for second run charges, that's fine. That's all anyone talks about. You don't need to do good first. But runs. you know what? Like I always thought when I was when I was in the circuit on the second run, I was like, well, actually, the second runs are my thing. So I'm probably gonna be probably gonna be better now. So hey, I mean, if I made it into the second run, I thought that was mostly the case. <laughs> but I unfortunately didn't make it too many times into the second runs. Yeah, well, still, still managed to make it in enough times that you've got some World Cup podium. So, yeah, yeah. not too many times. <laughs> Cheers, Marcel. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on to the women's side of things? I think we're sort of going to have to start with uh, a two horrendous-looking crashes from Val de Fassa in the Super G. We saw Schneeberger, isn't it, who who crashed second and yeah. bust her tib and fib. And then Kaja Vikoff-Lee, Norwegian, who's been skiing incredibly well this season. So it's even more, not, not the, the second, not, not the Schneeberger's one isn't disappointing as well, but in terms of uh, been skiing incredibly well and some good performance 
throughout the year and then she's done pretty much the same thing really really shocking i couldn't watch it i watched it live um and then i, I couldn't i had to turn it off i mean i don't know why frustrating and i think a few people are kicked off about it on social media the amount of replays now, i don't think you really get i, I don't know whether because the the directors are local directors so the in terms of who, what gets shown onto the likes of eurosport obviously i can't talk about any anybody else but uh the likes of eurosports the directors of the italians and for Val de Fassa, and they just keep they kept showing them which they don't tend to do that if you look at like crashes and kits we all show it live and then if it looks like somebody's nailed themselves then they don't show a replay they just keep looking at the mountains or the sky or the crowd whatever but uh yeah some a bit of shocking imagery going on there unfortunately yeah and obviously i don't know how tv works because i don't work in tv uh, but i don't know how much of the replays were trying to work out what had gone wrong because both crashes were really like innocuous and mm. um, obviously they ended very very badly but kasha vikov lee's just looked like she went to change edges and caught her inside edge and flipped over and then you know the, the hard the hard part being because her bindings didn't release everything that happened after that point of the crash you had a you know a set of 220 or whatever link skis it is falling with you and twisting around it looked horrible until she hit the nets and then um schneeberger's crash just looked like she got the line completely wrong got bumped and and, and straddled which is really not something you expect to see in, in super g as well um obviously that that doesn't mean you should keep replaying it over and over again and the bad impact parts of the crashes but in terms of the the Bit just before trying to work out what happened and, and diagnose the problem because it was it was very strange and one thing I took away was you, it's definitely much better when there are fans there because they can cut away to the fans making noise whereas with Kashavikov Lee's crash all you all you could hear was her screaming in the nets for a good minute and I was just like please just either go to an ad break or just do something other than this camera shot Marcel what do you think? I mean, it's got it's it's gutting for both of those girls, isn't it? They had, especially like Bikov Lee, like she had a really good season. She's a great skier, and and having like well, almost being at the end of the season and then breaking your leg is just not very pleasant. And it just shows like there are so many injuries this year. They might want to try and do something, but obviously, what are they going to do, right? <laughs> if if it's if the girls making a mistake, it it is a, a really dangerous sport. So, well, not just the girls, but also the men. Um, so I don't know what. They will be probably thinking about it over the over the summer again. There's and been in, a, in terms in terms of like TV, like obviously just don't show it. Like no one wants to see that really. I I don't I don't. So no, I would assume more people don't want to see. That. I mean, there's been a lot. There has been a lot of murmurings about the amount of injuries this season, and I don't. I'm not sure if it's just been highlighted. It does seem like there's been a fair few, or more than a fair few, um, but. I don't know. Like people talk about how you make it safer. I'm not really sure how you make it safer without changing, essentially changing the sport. I mean, the din setting type of thing is not people talking about asking a few questions on social media about din settings. And, and that's between, you know, when my experience of, of choosing my dins was uh, conversations between me and the technician so we would have a conversation, you know, if I'd been in training and a ski had come off or if I'd had a fall and the ski hadn't come off and I thought it should have come off or they thought it should have come off or if the, you know, conditions looked a bit X, Y and Z. So you just put half a turn on it just because it's 
you know, which is maybe the wrong thing to do, but it's a discussion that the coach and the athletes and the technicians more so than the coach make. Yeah, but that's that's kind of the wrong, in my opinion, the wrong approach because if they if they're not hard enough, I mean, they just go off, and no one wants to have like a ski flying off when you're in Kidsville going down the Mausefalle or something like that, you know. No. Um, so it's it's shit when you have them on and they get twisted, um, yeah. but it's also bad if they get off and you you land somewhere in the net. I mean, that's not any any better. I think. I think. Personally, I would think the, the course setting could be interesting to change, specifically in downhill and super G, because the forces on or in the tracks or in the in the turns are not that big. So you might be able to get a bit of speed off just because you can do like in GS, if you make him if you make the, the, the turnier or, or in slalom, it just gives you more g-force on your body, which is which is just counterproductive. But if you do it in, in downhill and super G, a bit more mellow so you probably could just make a couple more turns or bigger turns or whatever yeah, but then you then you slow the speed down and, and all of a sudden it's not downhill anymore yeah but like or the, the thing jumps is don't work or you know i don't i don't want to be doing the hunch off plopping off the edge of it and not getting <laughs> off the ground you don't end up like the world champs you mean knuckling a jump because they've tur- they made it too turny at the top and no no downhill wants that no, I get that, but it would make it a lot. So what are you saying would, then, Marcel? What are you saying? No, it, would, it would make it safer, right? So what, what else are you going to do? I mean, yeah, you're not going to... Less downhill and Super G, more slalom and GS. That's the answer. You can. I'm just going to mute you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I think, I think it's important to say, though, especially this weekend, and it's, it's important not to let bad injuries be be kind of blamed any, anywhere on on either fierce or the slope because i didn't think anything this weekend in the women's race was dangerous i mean prior to the accidents happening i thought the set and the slope was boring um <laughs> like and it's and it sounds harsh and i know this is, is a, that because a, it was a, too slow because they were being too safe <laughs> i'm not gonna know um i just didn't well, think it was there was, no, there was no there was no I mean, again, this I guess where we're talking about safety, you don't want it to be inherently dangerous. You don't want it to be unsafe, but it didn't look like a challenge. So after the first day's downhill, I went back and watched Lara Gugrami's run again and just kind of basically just got my phone out and did a stopwatch uh, and, and turned it on every time she wasn't in a tuck. And it basically was a one minute 20 downhill, which is only 10 seconds longer than the World Champs GS they did the week before for starters and a minute of it she spent in a tuck it was only about 20 seconds she wasn't tucking so like yes okay tucking is still hard work and you know Lara Goot's putting a lot of force through her skis when she's doing it but it wasn't at any point in the downhills did you think wow this is that's really difficult or that's really hard it just it, it looked beautiful and yeah, it was the bright, picturesque and the, fa- and the fastest skiers were going very fast I think someone you know clocked 128 kilometers now so it wasn't slow but it didn't appear challenging um at any point so i don't think necessarily saying for safety's sake we need to change things like if it's i think there was a set earlier in the year where we talked about it where four or five people crashed in the same place and yeah, lots of others was, nearly crashed was, in the same place that was there wasn't it in terms of they, the, the the sort of turn shape leading into that net was so if, yeah so if lots of people are having the same issue then you're like okay they give us something wrong with the way the course is set on the hill 
and we need to change it or, or other places where there's you know either jumps or something in, in in not the right place whereas this weekend they were horrible horrible accidents but i don't think there was anything fist could have done about it um i would be more concerned with this season if people like dave come out of the season with more injuries where they've said okay you're going to do six races in seven weeks or something along those lines where it's just you have no breaks i'd be more concerned about the welfare of the athletes in, in that respect and obviously when we have races like val yes point the finger at the corsetters and say like why are you pointing people at high speed internets that's dangerous not quite sure if your application for the chief security officer for the face is going to be accepted <laughs> <laughs> just make it a bit more straight it's boring <laughs> I don't know. I, I told you, Marcel, I'm going to be Jules Lalum, uh, <laughs> not security consultant. <laughs> and Ed, what are you going to be? Uh, Ed, you're going to do the, the super combined? Yeah, I'll be in charge of super, super combined, downhills and moaning. <laughs> just moaning. Um, yes, maybe just moaning. I, I, I don't know what you can do in terms of making it safer without changing what we're doing. And, and again, it comes down to nobody that races is doing it because they have to do it they're doing it because they want to do it they're doing it because they're trying to go faster they're trying to take risks and yes as long as they're not being put in stupid positions by you know a, and i don't even think it was that crazy that downhill in in um, val d'azer it was just that the, the angle coming into that net was just it was a, a left-footed turn which was fine but with the bumps that came just meant that if you did get it wrong you ended up sort of t-boning the nets as opposed to skiing alongside the net so that's a really small error that is i don't even think it's an error it's just a, a very slight misjudgment and, and you know and i know that can cost somebody you know it cost um what's her name her, her season siebenhofer her season so midhoffer sorry yeah. um but I, I don't know what you can do what you, you we tried to make the turning radius is longer in skis to try and minimize injuries. That didn't work. We just adapted ways to, to, to do the same sort of stuff. You know, Ted Ligeti created incredible, incredible hip angulation. And the, I'm not saying that they're related, but, you know, the guy's got an incredibly bad back. You know, I'm not saying that they're one in the same, but you, you, we tried to make something better and you just adapt how you go about doing something. So it's not like, I, I don't think there's a sort of a fix as it were, we can just try to minimize the stuff. And of course, the, the equipment side of things and can rely on some, you know, R&D stuff to see if there's maybe a way that bindings can become a little bit more, I don't know, re release when they're supposed to and not, not release when they're not supposed to. And that's just, that's tech, isn't it? That's advances. But in terms of what you, what you can really do, the piece are designed to be rock solid because it's trying to make it even across the board. But at the same time as making it even across the board, it's meant that you have to have razor sharp edges, otherwise you can't grip. Uh, and you go a lot quicker because ice is faster than snow. Uh, you know, you're constantly taking from Peter to feed Paul. Feed Paul. Whatever. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't, yeah, I don't only get too, too kind of far off track on this one because too like late. i said the yeah uh, too late my bad. Uh, <laughs> the, the crashes this weekend whilst they were terrible they were they were they were accidents and as horrible as it sounds kind of driver error so to speak like the skiers made mistakes it wasn't the course it wasn't the set it wasn't anything else so uh, i really hope they can both come back and and show us you know their best skiing again the same as with all the other people that have got injured this year but 
I, I don't think this this weekend is is cause for discussion on safety and security no, no, think, on the piece. I think it's just raised a couple of questions because we've had quite a lot of injuries. I think those those two isolated crashes, you, you wouldn't be talking safety, I don't think. But the fact is that you know there's been a few bring it to that but also Marcel you were talking about earlier on our whatsapp group that that actually a bone you know pretend, as long as it's just a bone injury that's sort of that's better than better certainly better than a ligament injury right well I kind of I broke my leg once and actually I was I was happy that it was just a broken leg even though it was like an open wound but you know what at least it's your own bone and it grows back stronger usually and an ACL well you have to replace it with something else so I'd rather have a bone broken than a ligament torn. Uh, well, not sure if everyone has the same opinion, but I guess that's just my. Uh, I, I was I was sort of of a similar point of view that if in in a crash, ligaments is probably you know other than talking like the worst of the worst, where where it's a lot more than just you know you start fighting for your life or whatever. But in terms of an injury like that, I'd I'd rather break a bone than I would do a ligament because I think bones, like you say, heal a bit better and and ligaments require some external uh, things to be added usually to, to try and help fix that problem but should we talk about the racing um <laughs> a great week, week uh saturday and uh, friday and saturday for lara Goot, who picked up double win siebenhofer on the first day ended up second with Suter in third siebenhofer i mean i'm not sure if i'd be if i was her coaches i'm not sure if i would be pleased or really really pissed off because where on earth have you been all season long? Because you've been seconds away from the podium and then a 200s away from Lara Gubarami in the form of her life. Yeah, she's been pretty disappointing in the speed events all season. She's shown some really good form in, in the GSs, um, like really surprising form in, uh, I think it was Crunchyroll Gora. She started showing it and had two solid showings there and then again in the World Champs, but... They made a really big point of her two World Cup wins came uh, in in the same venue as the World Champs. So was it going to be a sign for the for, for the for the World Champs? And she was pretty poor in the speed events of the World Champs, and then out of nowhere, just slaps them down on on Friday afternoon or Friday morning, and and absolutely destroys it. It was it was really impressive to see. She just again, you know, maybe she just prefers it where you just sit in a tuck for a minute. Um, because <laughs> there was there wasn't much else going on in that downhill. Um, uh, Goot didn't look like she'd made any mistakes. So Siebenhofer getting that close to her was entirely her own her own merit. But yeah, I don't know what the coaches have been saying to her. She's made a couple of social media posts saying she feels like her speed is coming back, but it's been hard to see where it's been all season. It just looks like she's just not had it. Any thoughts, Marcel? Hey, Lara Goot. Uh, what is it? What else is there to say then? That's absolutely legendary. I mean, look at her, like winning all those races and even podiuming them. Like, it's just, it's just crazy. And obviously, Siebenhofer, you know what? Like, sometimes you have those phases where you don't know where the speed's gone and then it comes back all of a sudden. I think I actually saw somewhere on the news that she was taking a couple of weeks off before the World Champs um, to just focus on stuff in training, not skiing the races and doing a lot of work of work on her on her setup skis etc and it seemed to be have paid off really well actually um so well done to her but yeah, i mean certainly a good move i mean everyone else like it's kind of a well i don't want to i don't want to put it down but lara good is basically the main focus right now and that's it i feel like from from a 
a racist perspective. What she does is just above everyone else, unfortunately, for the other ones. Yeah. Uh, second downhill, pretty similar result. We saw Laragut Barami take the win. 0.32 back was Kareen Suter, who is very been very consistent all season long uh and then kira vidal uh in third place 0.68 back and a quick shout out to pete davis who actually picked her in the predictions league for his win uh on that second day so picks up a point we had somebody else ron the don picked her in the first downhill but didn't uh, she obviously didn't perform in the first down but i think that is that's a very sneaky pick and i feel that's worth more than one point don't you think? I feel like when you get a pick like that, or Ben, some of your GS picks, where you, you know, you <laughs> picked you picked somebody that's like not really, you know, certainly not the favourite, and you only get one point for it. it definitely feels like you should be given <laughs> like a ten point bonus or something. For Kira Vidal should own you eleven points, not one point. Basically. Welcome, welcome to my world, Pete. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, what I would say is, uh, it was, it was. Good from Kira, although she she had a good world champs as well, Kira. So it wasn't out of nowhere. Um, but certainly on that first day, there were a few uh, a few in closer order. I think the top five was inside four tenths, which was quite good. On the second day, the visibility wasn't quite as good, so there was some some bigger gaps. But I think you might be getting a, a message from the uh, uh, American team sooner to say stop picking breezy because. If she was on a run of podiums, couldn't stop getting podiums, and then you started picking her, and she came fifth and then crashed. Um, uh, so yeah, they'll probably be like harshly worded uh, tweets or Instagram messages saying, "Could you please stop cursing, one, breezy?" You know, it's just one of many, one, one of many <laughs> Instagram or social media rollickings that I get. Um, You're getting used to your uh, views, don't you? Yeah, just thick skin now just oblivious to it you're famous if people are giving you hate online it's a good thing mate no my my biggest my best twitter spat was julianne lizaru a few years ago um (laughs) okay so on to the super g which actually i was really pleased to see that Brianoni picked up the win. Lara Gut, six tenth back in second, and again Suter on the podium. Uh, there were four Italians in the top ten. They really got to grips with that piece. Um, the cynic in me says, did they have a bit of extra time training there when you see a result like that? But that's pure speculation. Pro- could potentially be absolute rubbish. But Bri- Brianoni has struggled this season, and I think this win will be a huge relief because coming off the back of doing so well the the season before and then to have no podiums this year and you can see the frustration every race that she's done so far this season you know turns around looks at the scoreboard seventh eighth 15th like just getting more and more frustrated and then uh, it was nice to see a win and in such an emphatic fashion as well I mean I'm pleased for her as well because I I picked up five points her winning thanks to her um (laughs) But also, I feel like it was it was really heartbreaking to see her at the World Champs at home, like just basically lying on the side of the track because she went out on all the races. Mm. Um, so it's it's great to pick up a win at home. Uh, so and and obviously she was struggling this season, but it's still like there's still a couple of races to go, and even maybe she might not be even on the podium again. But it's good for the next season um, because you know, okay, I, I can still do it. So there is like nothing to worry too much about it, and oh, it's like, fire, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's good to well get with that feeling into the summer break, even though it's not 
quite there yet. But yeah, we were, talked about it a lot at the back end of last year about how she was going to translate this form into the new season with there being some comments that a lot of what she picked up last year was to do with the absence of Schifrin rather than anything she did herself but she she might have only won the big globe because Schifrin wasn't there for the end of the season but her results in her own right were you know, incredible across all disciplines last yeah. year. So it was, it's been tough to watch at times her really kind of fight for that form because every now and then she's skied and looked like the same Brignoni as last year and then yeah. something will happen and it will take the day away from her. And obviously the emergence of Bassino is, in some ways is good for the Italians because it means you've got someone else there to pick up the wins, but almost appears to have pushed Brignoni back a bit um they seem to have a great team spirit so it's not a uh, suggesting anything uh, uh uh you know untoward there with uh, any of the, the team stuff but it's it's been tough to watch but at the same time I'm really happy that she showed exactly how, how good she is at the weekend and it was also pretty impressive as well I'm trying to find where they where she ended up uh, Alice Robinson coming coming joint 10th and she started 41 in that CPG. That was really impressive. So she looked like she was enjoying those conditions quite a lot. Lara Group wraps up the Super G Globe. The downhill standings for the ladies are a little bit more exciting. Lara Goot still leads. Um, Corinne Sunter is 70 points back. And Lara Goot Barami, I make it just under 100 points back from Goggia. So, and obviously there's only 100 points left. Is that why she's leading in the overall? Because there are two Lara Goots in the downhill. <laughs> you just said Lara Good twice, so I thought there might be a few Lara Goods. <laughs> That's why she's leading. Yeah, she's uh, just picking up points. I mean, she's got enough money. She's got enough money to spread it around, didn't her? Wasn't her like stat of the uh, prize money? It's like over five hundred k. Well, somewhere it? close Something to that. That's ridiculous. Like that, which is nuts. No, sorry. So Godja still leading the standings of the downhill with one race left to go. Hey, that would be quite funny for her to win it. I mean, come on, she deserves it. <laughs> I mean, you'd, Suter obviously has to be off the top two steps and Goot can't win. So I, I feel like one of those things is surely going to happen. I, I don't, let's just wait and see. I, I mean, part of it, you want to try and predict it, but the, uh, if we go back to predictions, uh, unfortunately, one of Marcel's picks of the weekend didn't even, even show up. Uh, Ledetska uh, was originally supposed to train some snowboard for an upcoming parallel snowboard event and then posted today that she had injured her shoulders so wasn't going to be competing in the parallel event but would be doing everything she could to get back for the world cup finals to help her ski brand teammate Godia pick up the downhill globe did so you, <laughs> did you know that she was not skiing on the weekend when we did our last prediction yeah no <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you're picking a death kirk. Yeah, good choice, <laughs> For all of them. <laughs> no, I didn't know. Just before we move on to the picks for this weekend, just want to catch your thoughts on the women's overall. So we've got a few weekends left. Lara Goot Barami has picked up a bit of a decent lead, putting a lot of pressure on some very tired looking Vlahova legs. Who, like, whose camp would you rather be in right now? You know what? If if the if Lahova would be on full form, like a hundred percent fully fit, I would go for her because the schedule would benefit her. But now, like with those races that Aragut is 
on point so probably i would want to be in the lara good camp which i am because she's on head so i would love them to win the overall for the women's but it's gonna be it's gonna be very close and i'm you know what lahova she's probably gonna pull something at those slalom races that good is not skiing and it will be really tight what do you think ben who's camp who camp are you in where would you rather be who would you rather be in this uh, scenario i don't know how exhausted either of them are because the schedule they've both been doing has got to put yeah but it's different when you're exhausted and winning and exhausted and picking up 15s if if you were just to look at what was left the fact that there's what's there there's two three three slaloms plus world cup finals like you if you just looked at the points you'd say vlahova should have it but barami skiing so well with the injuries to Goggia, she's more likely to pick up more points. And the fact that she's doing GS as well, it means even in those races where a couple of years ago, you would have said basically all the slaloms and all the GSs, Vlahova will probably be on the podium, yeah. one or two. Whereas now in GS, Vlahova's not, you're not really sure if she's going to get on that podium or not. So you're just saying, okay, well, she has to win three out of three slaloms remaining. Um, and that's asking quite a lot. And so, I don't know, a part of me wants Vlahova to come back, like, just because she's struggled these last, like, month or so. Part of me really wants her to, to kind of win that overall, because the last few years, it feels like she's almost deserved something, but Schiffrin's just been there saying, nope, go away. Nope. <laughs> uh, you know what's going to be interesting to see? That's the question. Will Lara Good be skiing the slaloms? Or at least the final slalom? Don't know. I'd say, I'd say, come I'd finals, say, you have to. That's the best part of finals. It's like world <laughs> champs when you see all the speed people put their slalom skis on to try and get some points. Yeah but, you do, yeah, but you don't. You only get. Don't you only get World Cup points to fifteen in? Yeah, you do. Finals. But so she'd hey, have to be. Know, but only. I reckon she's gonna be training seriously hard. If she's not training slalom right now, she blooming should be. Yeah, I'm sure she will be training a bit. Because she'll start 31 because of 400 points. No, there are only 25, 25 people qualified for the finals anyway. No, no, but I mean in, in the other slaloms. Oh, she, I don't think she will be doing them. She'd be starting 31. But it's the same in the men's. Like, will Pintero do the downhills in the finals, you know? Like, it's... Depends how close it is, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Lara Gutbarami is going to be... She'll be in... Yansner anyway, because she'll be there for GS. Does she just stick on slalom skis and think, I may, I may pick up two or three points? Or not yet? Are we not at that? Are we not at all in sort of... If she wins the GS, she's probably going to win. Oh, I'm just going to go home. Yeah, because I guess the GS is first, isn't it? So Yeah. Okay. She's got, I mean, she's got not... a 200 point lead as well at this point. It's quite so, exciting, yeah. isn't it? It's quite, quite a lot of parameters going into this. It's just nice because we've been kind of robbed of a good overall globe title for basically Marcel Hirsch's whole career because he was always winning. And then uh, Schifrin doing likewise over the last few seasons and then, and then uh, Brianoni winning it by a decent stretch last year too. Um, but should we start talking picks? Because we've babbled on quite long enough. Uh, picks for this weekend. So we've got downhill, downhill and super G for the men. So Salback, who wants to kick us off for the first downhill? Me, fine. I will go uh, Matthias Meyer for downhill one. Marcel. I'm going to go with um, Beat Foyt. Better just started shouting out names, shouldn't I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> gone earlier. Um, uh, let's say, 
I'm, this is going to be one of those wildcard ones where I demand more points for it later. Max uh, Franz. No, no, that's quite, <laughs> he's, 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 he's on a, a very special list uh, is reserved for people who need to prove themselves before they're allowed to be picked again. Um, no, um, <laughs> uh, let's go, let's go Bauman. Oh, that yeah. would be... I quite like that on the Austrian snow. That would be controversial, yeah. very controversial if you will be winning. I mean, that would yeah. sting so bad. It would be brilliant. Uh, right, Ben, you can you can take uh, downhill two. Okay, I'll go uh, Foyt's downhill two. Ed? Uh, Marcel, why don't you... No, you go next. Okay, I'll go next. Um... It's because he wants to pick Creekmore for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> I might... Or oh, do I go Meyer again? Or do I go Kriegmeier? Kriegmeier, downhill of two. Paris. Okay. And then Marcel, go on then. Super G. Um, Super G, I go for... Uh, Odermatt. Are you, are you about to say Pintre? <laughs> yeah, I was, I, was close to say, I was close to saying him, but I, it's Odermatt. Um, okay, Ben. Uh, I'll take Kriegmeier then. Uh, oh, it's quite hard in the old Super G. It's not easy. Someone help me out. I mean, you can admire for that one. He's always there or thereabouts, isn't he? Yeah, I don't know if I want to pick him again. What about Nils Allegra? You just scroll down to the bottom of the list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't think I want to go. Crazy him. Max. No, I'm not going for him either. Um, you can what, about what about Pintro? <laughs> <laughs> Not going for him either. Um, oh, so you've gone Odermatt and you've gone Kriegmeier. You could go Bauman. I'm not going Bauman either. I'm not going to do it. I'm just looking, having a quick look at the list, and there's so many injuries in there. Yeah, yeah. you're like, oh, that guy, I oh, know he's injured. How about that Caveats, guy? Oh, no, he's Caveats, I could be back though, because he, he started, didn't he? Uh, um, I think he's not skiing this season anymore. Has he done it? Has he yeah. called it? I should have not told you that. <laughs> sake. <laughs> Um, about Gino? <laughs> no, just caveats in general. No, all right, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna. You go don't know, do you? No, I don't know. I'm gonna go. What about Valder? I'm gonna go Foyts. That'll do. Foyts, because it's a bit glidey. Are, are, are you sure about that? It's not the most challenging of uh, of Super G hills. That one. It's weird. He just never seems to be able to go far. I mean, pick him by all means, but he just never seems to like. Considering how fast he is, even glidey super G's, he doesn't seem to do as well as you expect. But no, but I'm, I feel know, like there's there's I a think... reason I'm still below everyone else in the in the pick league, even after a good weekend. Uh, you're making me. You're making me want to swap. Um, Too late. I'm gonna stick <laughs> stick with it. Okay, on to uh, Jasna. So, is Slovakia, and it starts with a GS on Saturday. Marcel, why don't you kick us off? Lara Good. Ben, are you going Ooh. for um are you gonna go for Tessa Worley? I don't know. Probably want to just get Bethino because I want the points, but I don't know. She's had a bit of a, a wobble as well. Actually, can I change mine? I don't know, Ben. What do you think? Do you eat yeah, now? Well, while we're still Wait, recording. No. I'll go for a rogue <laughs> one. I'll go for a rogue one. I say Nina O'Brien. Oh, that is a rogue, but I like it. Rogue, bar. <laughs> it's like yeah, you can have you can have that change. Uh, <laughs> no, I like it though. I mean, she skis anything like she did at World Champs. Then yeah, she's been all over it. I can't I can't go away from Tessa now, can you? Can I? I mean, she's second in the World Cup standings. Uh, I'll go Schifrin, and then don't, slalom. Don't, don't, don't hold back. Uh, 
Slalom. I was a bit. Yeah, I was a bit more sure. I wanted to go. She was on my list. Uh, slalom. Ben, would you like to kick us off first? Ooh. Let's go with the world champ. Let's go, Lindberger. I'm going to go Vlahova because she's. She's going to bring out the whole stops. She's going to be gunning for this one. Like, like I go for Schifrin. Cool. All right. Well, that's fairly straightforward. No fighting amongst the team. Just, just a bit of jabbing here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Right. Well, let's see. Uh, thanks very much, gentlemen. And until next time. Bye for now.